So if you got something on your mind, lay it out. Like a Nexus 6, coming home to food. Handheld, 58 minutes time to Give get loose. Give me the ear. Give me the ear. Give the speakers like a scientist. With tubes and beakers. Have MCs over my house. And fixing bars. But you rappers, we going out, going dust. You pass me the sword. We're back into the great Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Wrapping up the show with us today. One of my favorite guests, Nick Underhill. Saints insider and analyst. New Orleans.football is the site where you can get all the goods and some. Good morning, Nick. You uh, Here we are in, in late July. The rookies have reported to camp. The players are, are reporting next week. Do you get anxious, stressed, excited? Because I know you got a, a whole lot of work coming up. Yeah, I, I can't lie, man. I'm, I'm excited. Like, every time at this point in the year, I'm kind of – you know, it's kind of it's kind of like the best part of the year for me. I, I enjoy the start of the training camp probably even more so than the start of the regular season because it's kind of like unwrapping that present and, and you kind of see all the things that, that we've been talking about since, what, February, five, six months of, of how's this guy going to fit? How's he going to play with this player? What's this going to look like? You kind of start to see all that and then just kind of watching the process of, of the team coming together. I feel like we're the most informed during this period of the year because we're actually seeing everything that they're doing. So it's uh, it's exciting for me, man. I can't wait for, uh, what is it, the 27th? I, I can't wait to be out there and, and just start to see uh, everything come together. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point you just made, Nick, as far as most informed because I, I also feel like there's not as much smoke and mirrors from teams in camp because they're not, they're not game planning for an opponent. They're not trying to hide something or, you know, be coy with an injury report. And so I, I get that it's it's training camp and it's not game week, but, you know, what you see is what you get, I guess would be the easiest way to say it. And and, and I imagine that's appealing for you, certainly, and, and for fans as well. Yeah, I, look, during the season, we're out there for 30 minutes a day, and 15 of those minutes are people jogging across the field and stretching, and then Another 10 minutes, the uh, quarterback's throwing the ball to wide receivers with nobody in coverage. And then the last five minutes is, you know, basically people staring at us angrily to get out of the room so they can do the real stuff. So uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, you're, you're relying on on asking people sources, stuff like that during the season. And you can kind of piece it together. But, yeah, out at these practices, there's there's no lying. There's no spin. It's, it's you're watching them. They're doing what they do. And – you know, either Chris Olave is catching the ball or he isn't, and there's really not much interpretation there uh, beyond that. So it's uh, it, it, it's just a, it's a good time of year, man. It, it, you know, just seeing, like, Tyron and Marcus May practice together and, you know, are they going to be playing more single high or, or too high? Like, we're actually going to see that day by day, find out kind of what they're doing um, and, and see how it comes together. Now, some of that stuff, you got to be careful how you present it because there's roles about, you know, reporting on scheme and all that. But, like, if you're out there enough, you can you can kind of work your way around it without being egregious. And, you know, I think the fans are most informed this time of year, too, because we, we, we know the most uh, about what guys are doing and, and how it's coming together. So, uh, you know, first day out there, I'm looking for Mike Thomas. We'll see uh, how that comes together. And, you know, after that, we start figuring out what this team is. Yeah, I, I do, uh, Nick Underhill, our guest, um, you know, one way that fans can get a lot of that information is through you at Nick underscore, uh, underscore Nick underscore Underhill on Twitter. Give him a follow. <laughs> um, so, you know, you mentioned Marcus May. You mentioned Tyron Matthew. 
those are two newcomers. You had a podcast earlier this week discussing that a little bit. Like, who in your mind will have the biggest impact in 2022 on the Saints that is a new addition? It's a good question. You know, we, we did it on our podcast, and, uh, you know, my, my first pick was, was Alave. And, you know, I kind of went with him just more so about what he signified and just kind of like ending the skid at wide receiver. And it was it was a sigh of relief when they acquired him. And, you know, there is part of me that, that believes that at the end of the season, if things come together for him, if he picks up the playbook, he doesn't get hurt, all that stuff, there, there's a little bit of, you know, growth and maturation, and, and he picks up the system at I wouldn't be entirely shocked if, if we look at the stats at the end of the year and he has the most yards out, out of these three guys, just simply because I feel like he fits Jameis better than the other two guys. And Jameis's first instinct is to look down the field, extend the play, and, and try to use his arm to, to get, you know, chunk yardage. And, and I think that fits with him better than maybe Jarvis Landry and uh, Mike Thomas. So there's a scenario where, where I think he could definitely be the guy or, you know, Behind door B, I, I got to go Tyron Matthew. I mean, I just I, I think that that he's going to be extremely important to this team, not just on the field, but leadership. And the way him and Marcus May fit together, I think they accentuate each other so well that both those guys can, can just reach into their bag of tricks and do everything that they do because they're both a little bit free safety. They're both a little bit strong safety. They both have blitzing ability. They can both cover a little bit. And just that interchangeability and, and the – the ability for the coaching staff to just have them do different things each snap, you know, I, I think that's going to make this defense a whole lot more dynamic. Now, I don't know if that means they're going to be better at safety. You know, I was probably uh, after Marcus Williams' agent, you know, I was probably the guy that hyped him up more than anybody anywhere because, look, his talent's unbelievable. His range is unbelievable. And I think he did a lot of things even to this day that are still a little bit underappreciated. And, yeah, I think that's going to shine a little bit more in Baltimore with a clean slate and some of the baggage not hanging off of him. Uh, I think people are going to notice that a little more. But, you know, they were a little bit more static with him and what they could do because, he, you know, he, he had some versatility. And later on, you know, in, in his tenure here, he was making some plays in the box. He started tackling a little bit better in the run game, you know, spotting that stuff out. But it wasn't, it wasn't what he did naturally, where these guys, I think it is what they do naturally. And, um, it's going to allow them to do some different things on defense. So um, those would be uh, my picks. If you know, forced to forced to side with one guy. Period. Though I, I do just go Alave because he's going to be here for a lot of years, and uh, you know, I, I just, I, I think what he represents um, is important to this team, and it, and it was just probably you know at the time in the moment, I, I think undoubtedly the biggest move that they made. Nick Underhill, our guest. I was visiting with uh, Gus Cagniel, um not just this morning, but earlier this week on a show about Alave. And I think he's he's in a really good spot because, you know, you can look at a first-round pick and say a lot of pressure, right, especially a position like that. You make a drop, it stands out, you make a big play. But the fact that he's coming into a situation, one where, you know, last year with the issues at receiver, you know, it's not like he's he's coming into an offense that was awesome last year. So – I'm not saying the team has set the bar low, but it's not like, you know, the way the bar was set back in, you know, the, the heyday of Drew Brees and Sean Payton, you know, at their peak. Um, you're getting Michael Thomas back, right? You added Jarvis Landry. And so he, you know, I, I think between he and Trevor Penning, the other first-round pick, you know, Gus was like, you think Penning maybe has a, a bigger microscope on him? I don't, 
I don't think he has a bigger microscope. I think by nature of receiver, people are just going to be watching it more and they're going to see the catches. But in terms of mistakes, I think if Penning wins that starting job, his mistakes kind of get magnified in a way of protecting the blind side and things like that. That I Am I crazy to think that Penning might have a little more pressure in his rookie year than Alave just based on Alave not having to be the number one guy among other things and Penning if he... On one hand, if he, if he doesn't win the starting job day one, then you know how fans are, Nick. They're like, oh, well, maybe first-round pick. He's, he's not coming along quick enough. And if he does win it, then if he has any struggles, I, I just I think if Alave was coming into the offense last year with what they had at receiver, it'd be a little different. He's in a really good spot this year as far as just, I don't know, lack of pressure, just being able to go out and, and do the things he does well and maybe not being judged the way that – some first-round rookie wide receivers typically would be. It's funny because you started this, I was, I was thinking no, and then by the end, like, I'm, I'm kind of on your side. You know, I do think that they're outside of the fans, inside the building, I, I don't think there's any pressure on Trevor Penning to play right away. I think they're they're comfortable with James Hurst being in that spot. And I think they're maybe even entering training camp with the idea that it's James Hurst's job and, and Trevor Penning has to prove it. And I think they're okay with that. They're going to – they're going to put Zach Streif just kind of on Trevor Penning, have him develop him, and uh, Doug Marone's going to spend more time on on the big picture and the scheme, and you know making sure all that stuff comes together. And that's going to be Streif's uh, special project. And and I think they know it, it's going to take a little bit of time, but I do agree with you. If he gets on the field and he starts, things are magnified. He's coming in behind arguably the most talented, I'm not saying the best, but arguably the most talented left tackle of, of this era. Um, so there's a, a natural comparison there. I mean, that's, that's a tough, <laughs> that's a tough place to, to enter the league at and kind of have to be uh, up against Tron Armstead. And then, um, you know, the other element of this is, is it kind of feels like things are maybe skidding a little bit on the offensive line in terms of development. And if you have Cesar Ruiz and he has another bad year, and now Trevor Penning starts out looking like maybe things aren't going right. It's, uh, you know, quickly maybe feeling like a little bit of panic. And, and, you know, this team that plays close to the cap can't really afford to miss on early draft picks. That, that's the, uh, the bottom side of that. You know, we, we talk all the time about how they manage the cap, but being able to manage the cap like that and not really having to pay those penalties is offset by drafting these guys, having them play contribute, not signing players that end up on injured list and all that stuff. So, the margin for error on like the player acquisition is, is the the downside to the tight cap management. You know, I, I do think a lot of it, though, like if he goes out there and he's not catching pat, if he's dropping balls or, or there's obvious mistakes, I think he's going to catch some heat early. But yeah, I don't think that, that the, the pressure is necessarily all the way there. If, you know, some of these other things, a wide receiver work out, um, you know, he, he could have a 650 yard season and look promising. If Jarvis Landry's playing well, Mike Thomas is playing well in uh you know, Alvin's getting involved in the passing game and, and some of that stuff. And I, I don't know that people freak out the same way that they would if, uh, you know, what's the comparable nature of that on the offensive line, allowing like five sacks or something? Like sure. people would probably freak out more about the five sacks than maybe Alave having, you know, some growing pains with finishing 650, 700 yeah. yards or so. Yeah, It's just, yes. And I'm I'm speaking about sort of the fan response more so than, than in yep. the building, which you're more tied into than, than us. But, yeah, I, I – um. It's it's a good spot for Alavi. I really feel that way, and, and I I think I think he's going to do well. Uh, Nick Underhill, our guest at Nick underscore Underhill, 
is uh, is the handle neworleans.football subscribe do it if you're a saints fan you won't regret it um another thing i want to hit on you've talked about draft picks right hitting on draft picks and it's important when you're a team that's always pushing up against the cap uh it's important for any team but in terms of the margin for error right you had this on a podcast last week you've written about it but a lot of signs are pointing to sean payton only being gone for a year what 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 could the saints demand and how much of it is going to just depend on if there are two teams to one Sean Payton versus one. Like, lay out the scenarios as far as, and I know this isn't so much of this upcoming season question as it is perhaps a year from now, but but what are some scenarios where Sean Payton goes and coaches another team in 2023 and what that would get the Saints in return since he's technically still under contract in New Orleans? It's a good question. I, I would have to get a first-round pick. I think it kind of starts there um you know if he would have went to miami this year i think you're looking at even more than that because it's kind of like that that direct line and it's it's basically kind of feels like you know skirting a contract without paying a penalty so i think that ups the price so the sooner this happens i think the more they get if it happens next year i think it's a first round pick if it's two years from now you know i think maybe it goes down a little bit and then at the end of that it's you know just kind of whatever you can get for him at that point, because he, he sat out so long. I, I don't see it going beyond this year, though. I mean, it seems like the itch is already there. And, you know, just being a reporter, being being around how some of these things work, you know, when someone's name stays in the, the, the media, I don't think it's usually a mistake. And, you know, I think it's that's usually a message to people that are like, hey, don't, don't forget about me. Keep me in mind. I know the season's starting and, you know, I'm right here. So, like, if things go bad, don't forget about me. That That's typically, you know, with, with some of these things uh, – Signal now, like compensation. You know, the one thing that that's interesting to me was this Tom Brady scenario that I, apparently was happening in in Miami, where these two were tied together. And if they're tied together a year from now, and that's like an open secret, and that's an actual thing that's going to happen. If I'm the Saints, and I know this, and I know that if you get Sean Payton, you get Tom Brady, even if it's just for a year with Brady, because, you know, he, he is an older person, like I'm charging more for that. Like, I think it, it comes at a premium. So like that story coming out, I think adds like a, a little element to it. Now I, I don't really necessarily actually see that playing out. I think it was probably a, a very specific scenario, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, if it's Dallas next year or uh, the chargers or, or I, I can't remember, there were four teams they said, but yeah, I mean, if he goes somewhere next year, I think, I think they, they probably ask for a first round pick and I think they should get it. Nick Underhill, our guest. Final question for you, Nick, man. I appreciate you taking the time. And I want to rewind briefly to last year. We were talking in July, just before training camp, when veterans reported anyway. And I was kind of feeling the Saints like 7-10. and 10. That was my outlook, my expectation, based on a number of things. You, you had a higher expectation, and they surpassed my expectations last year by a lot. Now, my expectations changed as they got into the season, and I saw how they were built, how they were playing, and I could have never foreseen, nor anyone could, the amount of things that went wrong for them. And yet, despite that, they're still on the doorstep last day of the season of getting into the playoffs if you know the Rams don't lose in overtime to the Niners. So I, I, I say that to say this. I remember last year the I think the betting odds and I know it's just betting I know but you, you can learn a lot about where the you know how a team's handicapped he was like plus 3500 now you look at a lot of books plus 5000 
And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, does Sean Payton have that much of an impact? I, I see what some of the national writers, the more notable ones and pundits, are predicting on the Saints. And I'm like, are they – like, I, I remember what that – there was a reason that even though they had Sean Payton, I was skeptical of the team last year. Nick, I don't, I don't necessarily think the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Don't get me wrong. I think they're set up better than they were a year ago as far as the roster goes. Are you surprised that the perception – the predictions and the betting odds from a national standpoint, not so much you guys locally, are greater than they were a year ago at this time when I, I felt like the roster had more question marks than this year's does. Well, first, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they're set up much better this year than last year, and I, I think they're a playoff team. I, I don't – yeah, I'm not going Super Bowl contender or anything like that, but I think they, they can get in for sure, especially with the way the NFC looks. I think the difference of opinion, I think it's a couple things. Like, one, I think we probably have a higher opinion of Dennis Allen than a lot of other people. I think other people that really haven't been paying close attention to the Saints maybe put a lot of weight on that, that Oakland tenure, which, you know, wasn't very good. And, and there's been, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of pointing to that. And I, I think that it's probably time to set that aside and kind of look at what he's done here how he's led this team, how people have bought into it, you know, basically the the coach of the defense, um, you know, running everything over, like it's organized. I think he's learned his lessons, knows what he doesn't know, has filled in those gaps and is, is extremely prepared to, to do this job. So that's one thing, you know, and then, but I also think that the view of Dennis Allen probably makes it easier for us to overlook Sean Payton. And I think, you know, my, my question with Sean losing him I don't know that we know like how that changes the floor of this team. Like it felt like before seven wins was that the absolute basement, like as bad as things could go, he would find a way to, to kind of always make them competitive to keep them in it. You know, even, even like you, you see pictures of like the 2016 defense roster, like, you know, and it's just like, Oh my God, like these are the guys they were playing with yeah. still finding ways to win games. So I, I think that's, that's something that we got to learn. Like just the intensity that Sean brought, like just taking that out of the building, change anything. And, and I think there's probably an overcorrection by Vegas on stuff like that or national pundits. I think they're, they're looking at that a little too much and assuming like everything's going to go wrong. Whereas again, DA kept them in it. He, he kept the defense great every year. They responded to his coaching. Like it, it stands the reason that's going to be true on uh, both sides, but I, I don't know how you can look at this team and not think that they're going to be better than a year ago. As good as Sean Payton was at, at coaching, like Kenny Stills still wasn't catching passes consistently. Right. And Chris Olave probably will. And Jarvis Landry probably will. And, you know, even if Mike Thomas doesn't play, like those two guys have you in a significantly better situation uh, in your offensive skill positions than a year ago. But, you know, the other – my door number three on this is – I think, uh, and I I hate to say this because it's going to sound like diminishing of of an incredible talent, but like if Alvin Kamara misses some games, I don't think it's as detrimental to this version of the Saints as it would have been the 2018 version of the Saints. And I think Alvin's a better player now. I think he's smarter. I think he's, he's learned his body even better. But the circumstances around him put him in an offense where I don't think he's as centered in it in at least in the passing game like with drew like the check down was a weapon it was option one on some plays 
Alvin was going to catch 80 passes every single year. You could lock it in, and it, and it just happened like that. And he was going to have 700 receiving yards and be a huge part of the passing offense. With Jameis, like, he might catch 40, 50 passes this year. Like, if he plays every game, it's just it's just the quarterback isn't looking there. Like, that's that's the last option. He's looking deep. And then, you know, by the time he gets to his check down, it's three and a half seconds into the play. And, you know, the, the even if the pass gets there, like, the, the running lane is closed down. It's just – it's not the same style of offense. So, I think that, like, people are looking at it like, man, you take this guy out and they're they're screwed. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna hurt that much. It's gonna hurt, but I don't know. Like if everything crumbles without him, I think you you find a way to keep play action viable. And if he misses four to six games or or whatever, if he does end up getting suspended, yeah, they're gonna lose some of them. But I don't think it's just like, well, they're they're done in these games. Whereas in like nineteen, eighteen, like I, I would have probably felt that way with it. So I just think some of the pessimism from a further view. Uh, is heavier. And I think our optimism on some, some things is, is probably a little more than other people's. And, you know, it's probably somewhere in the middle, but like last time I looked, I saw like eight or eight and a half wins is, is the line. And I, I just think that's crazy. That I don't see how you can think that they're going to be uh, a sub 500 team. Yeah. I'm with you. Nick Underhill has been our guest. Great stuff. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. Check out new Orleans dot football. There's some specials going on right now. A lot of stuff happening. But if you want the inside Saints content you're not going to get elsewhere, you need to go get it from Nick. And uh, for the record, Nick, most people listening won't get this, but I, I, I'm with you. I don't agree with Ralph. I think those 80s New York Giants uniforms, I liked them. I enjoyed them. Oh, they're great. They're a great uniform. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the red trim, bringing them back for like two games. Like it's, it's, I'm good with it. It's a no-brainer. I'm good with it. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of the Saints black helmet, but I've been taking tons of flack from that for our listeners. But whatever, I, I, won't, I won't open up a can of worms with uniform talk because uh, I know you got to run, man. Look, I appreciate the time. I uh, look forward to talking to you a few times during the season. But in the meantime, man, I'll be checking out all of the content you'll be putting out throughout training camp and throughout the year. Yeah, thanks for having me.